Welcome back to the Her Advantage podcast. I'm your host, Mel, and this is episode number 19. It is blowing an absolute gale outside my office today. So if you hear any loud clangs and bangs, it's my outdoor furniture going from one side of my yard to the other. I've done my best to try and noise gate this room and this podcast, but I am just forewarning you. I am connecting on this podcast today with one of my Instagram friends, Megan. Megan and I connected over the last two years with within the pro-metabolic community. Now, pro-metabolic is not a word that I have used on this podcast yet because I'm waiting to interview someone to give you the full deep dive into what it really means. But Megan's going to give you a little insight as to what it is. Basically, Megan and I have come from the fitness industry, an industry where food and exercise supposedly equal health. However, mostly the underlying message in the fitness world is that you have to look a certain way to be healthy. Now, the pro-metabolic world definitely supports that, but it comes at it from another angle. We talk about health in terms of how our body is functioning. Now, Megan I mean, Megan has a small number of clients at the moment, but I predominantly coach women. So we are going to speak in terms of female health in this episode. However, there is definitely a takeaway for all. Megan has a fascinating story. Megan started with an eating disorder quite early in her life, way before social media was even a thing. We're thinking, you know, early 90s, hip bone showing models into the bodybuilding world, and then into the multi-level marketing world. Now, like I said, all of these worlds talk about movement and food in terms of health, but really they're just trying to achieve a certain aesthetic level. So without further ado, let me hit play on this podcast for you. I hope you enjoy it. Please feel free to reach out to Megan or myself if you have any questions. I'll tag Megan's profile in the show notes. Uh, So yeah, without further ado, here is Megan. And we're live. So Megan and I got on this call like 20 minutes ago and we've just been chatting as I do. But Megan is someone I met on the internet and we were just talking about how we first connected. And this is what I love about social media. I think when I started talking about my journey with PCOS, the social media was a really dark place. And the more I started to talk about, you know, bringing to light some of the fitness trends and the medical trends, the more these amazing people started to come into my world like yourself, Megan. So can you introduce yourself? Uh, thank you so much. I am really grateful we connected to, I have been in the health and fitness nutrition sphere for 18 years and I've grown and stumbled through those, through those years and fell into diet culture and fell into some of these negative trends. And I also had some hormonal and thyroid imbalances because of my bodybuilding competitions. So while I won trophies and everyone said, your goals, your body is goals. Look amazing. Oh yeah. I now am 
like my weights rebounded like crazy. Cause I was intermittent fasting, doing all the things that my like body did not want to do. I've learned so much from Dr. Stacy Sims, who talks about the dangers of fasting for athletes. And, you know, I've always working out. So it's been a long journey and I'm having to rewrite a lot of my own body image and body confidence because, you know, in the research to have optimal ovulation, it looks like a higher body fat percentage for some individuals is going to be what's required. So what are you prioritizing your body fat percentage or your optimal ovulation and having a healthy cycle? So I think that's the thing in pro metabolic world right now is we have to remind ourselves the original intention that we shifted gears was to honor our health no matter what. And that is so difficult with the pressures of the fitness industry or what is promoted as healthy in the fitness world. So I'm just like walking the walk with everyone else in this pro metabolic community <laughs> and just really mind myself of my why or like why I got started, why I shifted things. And so, you know, I just stepped back from personal training and gave up all my clients. And so I know we'll dive into that later, but that's been a really big shift for me. Like nearly 20 years of my life. I've been a coach. I just want to stop you there. Like 20 years. Uh, you don't look it's that wild. old. So. Thanks. <laughs> I'm you, it is the pro metabolic lifestyle. It's all yeah. that liver. It's all those oysters. It's all of that. So I, I am excited. I do. I mean, I have some grays, but yeah, my, we'll see how it goes, but that's also part of like, you know, yes, my body shape has changed and I'm also going to be, you know, I'm, I'm third, I'll be 38 this year. So I'm getting closer to 40. So it's like learning how to age gracefully is going to be a big part. My husband always reminds me, he's like, you know, we're, we're going to be wrinkly and like old one day. And I'm like, you're right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, did you, you see the real, did you see the real I posted? I, I posted a reel on Instagram the other day and it was like, I don't do this 12 scare kid skin routine, um, exercise regularly and have good nutrition so that, um, just for nothing. I do it so that in 20 years time, someone can look at my husband and go, Ooh, that's not his first wife. <laughs> that is funny. And that would be, I mean, I hope with these habits, you can age well and gracefully and take care of yourself, especially keeping your progesterone as high as you can, as you get closer to menopause. So, you know, why not? And I love that. That's funny. I'll make sure I go watch it. <laughs> Um, so on that topic, then this is something that I've got at the top of my notes here to talk to you about, you know, I don't know if you've seen this circling the internet lately, but the post around being heroin chick. Yes. How did that, how did you feel about that popping up? Well, it reminded me exactly of what I was shown and taught. Cause I'm a, I was born in 1985. So the 90s and the early 2000s was when I was in middle school and high school. So I had an eating disorder in high school and it really developed when I was 15, 16. Cause my first boyfriend broke up with me and said he wanted a hotter girlfriend. So that was really upsetting. And I started running up and down my long driveway because I lived in the country in Virginia on the East Coast and started drinking Coca-Cola, which is a smart move. I played soccer. And so I just um, slowly got more and more controlling. But this was before the internet. But I started, I did the Smart Start cereal diet, which was a commercial and you just ate cereal for two meals and then a sensible dinner it's really similar to isogenics which I also stumbled into which should have a warning label on it because I've had an eating disorder as a kid and then when I was like 25 26 I found intermittent fasting cleanse days which is like for starving yourself which I just found this really interesting research that intermittent fasting in itself 
has a high correlation with bulimia nervosa, like, you know, starting to binge. And it just gives me goosebumps telling you because it should have red flags all over it. It's not for everybody, but so, you know, so that's one of the trends that just the pro metabolic sphere has really taken a good angle on educating women on why it's not a good bet, but I had to learn that the hard way. So yeah, flags don't sell. (laughs) Yeah. And so I, you know, I, but what happened was I went to college to study foods and nutrition. And that's actually what kind of snapped me out of some of the disordered behaviors. Then I became a personal trainer because I was like, well, I haven't been eating right. So I'm probably not doing like, I was probably just doing mostly cardio. So then I became an ACE personal trainer in 2005. So it was my first certification. And I worked at my like campus gym. And then I moved to Portland, Oregon, all the way across the country. And started my career I started working at like really big box gyms and it was really great because there's so much different kinds of people that work out there so I'd have you know a 55 year old woman to a younger person to a you know some office guy that's like middle age you know a lot of different body types and goals so I really got to hone in on more of who I'd want to work with and really you don't really have much to choose. We're in a lot of hustle and grind in the box gym, but I, I, I wouldn't be the trainer that I am if I didn't, you know, work out at those bigger gyms and they teach you a lot of sales too, which is helpful because that's very important in this business. (laughs) It is. So what is pro-metabolic? Yeah. I know what pro-metabolic is. What is pro-metabolic? We have like a, I think we all have our own little take on it, but Mm -hmm. for me, you know, pro is supportive of and metabolic is metabolism. So I just break it down like how the words are. So I'm like, okay, so everything I do with my food choices, with my exercise is going to be supporting my metabolic function, my thyroid, my cycle health. And so that to me is the working living definition of pro metabolic is just making sure that, and like, that's going to be bio-individual. And so I think that's something that's lacking a little bit in the space the nuance and context, you know, maybe we should go over those definitions too, (laughs) because it's like, that's really important to understand like where you're at, when your background is, what your resiliency is. And um, I think that people will just follow the advice on an account instead of work with someone. And then they might not like people like, Oh, I gained a lot of weight and pro metabolic. And, you know, and I, that happened to me. So I can feel the pain there. But I think sometimes that happens uh, with because we didn't have enough guidance or sometimes it's out of our control too. Uh, but I think it's important to have nuance and make sure that we're always checking in with ourselves. Like, yes, so-and-so said that, but does that actually work for me? So what are some of these markers you talk about? What do you mean markers? Like my biofeedback that yeah, I'm tracking? Yeah, biofeedback, yeah. Um, well, and also, be- you know, like thyroid symptoms and yeah. Like what if I'm we're feeling. just looking, the average woman, yeah. what can she look for? Yeah. Like typically the telltale signs that most common symptoms of low thyroid function are like cold fingers and feet, uh, hair loss, kind of just brain fog, uh, weight gain, um, especially like weight loss resistance can be a really big one. Like, uh, and that's what was really the real kicker for me, you know, losing your eyebrows, hair texture changes on top of the hair loss. Um, and if you pick up on that, tracking your basal temperature is a good thing to do. Then you can have lower temps and lower pulses, which I, I was coming in cold and slow. <laughs> when I, I was like, I had like 46 was my average pulse. 
as fitness folks are, we're like in the forties and we're like, yeah, cause you think that's great. And then my temp was like 96 average. Like it, I was, so it's been a long journey to, so in pro metabolic for me, it's also using that biofeedback of, you know, now that my symptoms are less, I'm not as intensive tracking, but I would track my temp three times a day, trying to see how my, it was responding to food, how, you know, workouts and just try to find what was too much and what just like that, you know, Goldilocks approach of what's really good for me and my body with where I'm at and my symptoms. And that changes, uh, you know, month by month. So that's also been a really fun journey. So I track biofeedback wise, you know, I'll track my cycle and symptoms and sleep and recovery and digestion performance, uh, like recovery after the gym, stress level, body image. Yeah. But I like tracking it all because that's where I noticed that the body image really is different. Obviously when we're fertile, like an ovulation, we'll feel like, yeah, more sassy, more confident. And then you actually have more water retention and you can be more bloated towards like the, like, you know, the luteal, that later phase, especially when you're low in progesterone. And so I noticed the cyclical change there with my body image. And that just helped me understand myself more and more knowing, Hey, this is like, just kind of just like, well, you might be more irritable. You also might have a more negative body image around those times. And that helps me. So I think tracking the data can feel overwhelming, but having the trends and understanding how my efforts were impacting the trends was actually really empowering. You can't change what you don't know needs changing. So it's important to have some sort of data so you can tweak all the levers and figure out what works for you. Yeah, that's really interesting that you bring that up. In this month in um, the Her Advantage space, the Her Advantage group, we're talking about cycles. And I'm not just talking, like obviously our fundamental cycle is our menstrual cycle, but cycle of seasons, cycle of moods, like just Mm -hmm. observing the cycle in our life um, for two reasons, knowing that, yeah, we need to change and watching how our physiology changes with our changes with our psychology. And then also knowing that, you know, when you're going through like a challenging period, it'll come back around. And when you're going through a happy period, you'll come back around, you know, like all of the, it's, we live in a world of cycles. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really appreciate that you've, yeah, even touched on that, that early on in defining or under explaining what pro-metabolic is. So I know that you studied, you studied quite a bit. One of the first things you said you studied was dietetics. Is that right? Yep. So, and we also know that a lot of what we know about traditional medicine and traditional health is outdated, to put it politely. (laughs) Or corrupted, you know, off by lobbyism in the United States, it's clear as day. Yeah. (laughs) There's no denying anymore. It's it's clear for you and I, but, you know, just there are other people that are so indoctrined in the system. Yeah. Those are the folks that are the reason why I quit my coaching business online. Cause I would say a huge account, 500 K followers put me on super blast. Cause I said, if you have health conditions, you might want to start reading ingredients labels. And that was elitist. And I thought I used, I just, and it was none of my content is that like, I follow pages that are more like flops and like really talking about toxins in our food. And I, I've known that I've been really passionate against glyphosate residue and Monsanto for a long time, like 2003 OG, 
like in college, I was like freaking out because I saw it, but I actually didn't finish my dietetic program. I didn't do the one year unpaid internship. I didn't take the exam. And I definitely have regretted that in past because I meet so many cool RDs now, but I didn't want to play the game any longer because I saw the BS like when I was like 19, 20, 20. And I was hoping that I was just a crazy conspiracy theorist, but yeah. now I'm a capital C cons- conspiracy theorist about lots of things and we're not wrong. <laughs> yeah. But if there's a veil that, that is literally on people, cognitive dissonance is a real thing. It's quite apparent in the polarization of our, and so you can't like, you can't make them see something that they're not willing to see. And so it's important just to know, like choose your battles wisely with that. And, you know, hopefully we can just always respect each other. That's what was lacking. I think. Yeah. At the base. Also then my question then was like, because though, you know, what you would have learned in was it college or university, I don't know how America works. Yeah. University. Yeah. University. Um, And then what you learn now, like, is there anything that you have taken away from what you studied that you would still use or apply today? Yeah, it was similar to a post you shared about like what taught you what you learned in bodybuilding, Um, you know, the importance of protein um, and the importance of food over supplements. That was really, really a big push in dietetics. Um, And then I kind of got away from that when I worked for an MLM, Isogenics. I was like, supplements are great. Our soils depleted. You need them. And while that's true, it was like a sales pitch. Uh, So I've come back full circle to the whole foods first approach. And I worked a one-on-one with hormone healing RD, Amanda, like a really good friend of mine now. And she's got a puppy. We, we bred puppies and she's got one of our poodles. So she's like in the poodle pack. It's best friends with her. <laughs> poodle baby. Pack. Yeah, Diego, the dog is best friends with her beautiful new baby, Elena. And I'm low key obsessed whenever she posts photos of the two. I'm just like, cause you know, I raised those puppies for eight weeks. So I basically love them all. They're your babies um, too. But- yeah. Yeah. So Amanda really helped me with the food first approach and I just adore her and her podcast and everything she does for the community. And uh, she really helped me get my head on straight after, you know, having the bodybuilding competitions, being in eating disorder therapy, working with an MLM. There was like a lot of identity shedding that went when I came into the pro metabolic community. And what I am so proud of myself, I was like dairy free and gluten free. The moment I see something isn't what I thought it was. I can really change that fast. And that's something that I didn't really think, I don't know, it's just interesting to go from where I was to where I am. And then I've even done even more growth since then. And so that's just really cool to witness for yourself and just to have more faith in yourself for your follow through. And like what you said, the cycles. So this is, this is maybe a really cool topic to go into, you know, so Megan popped off my radar for a little bit and then popped back in. I was like, oh my gosh, hello friend haven't seen you in ages. And then we just had a big chat. So, um, you know, with everything that's been happening in the world in the last two years, Megan decided to leave New York and go and live. I'm really sorry. I don't remember where you moved to, <laughs> but you oh, moved somewhere else. Down and south in Boston. Down yeah. south. And do we, we just, we just spent the last 20 minutes sort of talking about how she's reinvented herself. And so, you know, over the last 18 years, I'm going to sneeze. sorry um hay fever in australia is great at the moment um we yeah you have reinvented yourself like yes you've been a personal trainer you've been a bodybuilder you've come into pro metabolic and now like you we're constantly rebuilding ourselves like and it's okay to well yeah let's talk about your experience with constantly rebuilding and recreating 
I mean, the biggest shift was from, I did bodybuilding competitions in 2017, 2018, got married in 2019. So my life, that was a big transformation there. I went from single for as long as I can remember, girl boss vibes, hustling and grinding. Every man I met, I made more money than him, which wasn't a good sign. <laughs> like, that's not good. I wasn't a baller, shot caller. And I was like, how am I going to buy a house? Like I needed, I, I, if I didn't, so I, I just knew joint income was going to make it more accessible. And I really wanted a husband yet I was grinding. So I didn't have to have that. So when I met him, we, I moved to Japan. So I gave away all my clients with him. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We, we met, we have a really romantic love story that could, you know, that would take up too much time to tell you, but you know, it's great. We I know that. The yeah. There is a really mm-hmm. cool little, I think yeah, I know we a little bit of it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we, we met at the airport during an epic rain delay and fell in love over that night. And then we were married six months later. And that seven months is when I packed up my cat Silbert. And it was a big deal to get him into Japan, like lots of paperwork and rabies fabbins and stuff. And me and my kitty moved to Japan and we lived there for a year. And we were in Japan when the COVID stuff rolled out, which was kind of fun because it never really rocked Japan very hard. And they're super obsessed with clean and everything's really clean. And so it wasn't as intense. But since we were military, we had some much more restrictions than uh, the, the average Joe would. But that was just how it was. So that was a big shift in itself. I went from living in Portland, Oregon, to then living in a foreign country all by myself on a military base, which was a hippie, like dippy was like really a big change. But I, uh, you know, I, I ended up getting some dogs and that was a big life shift too, because I've never had my own dog and I love dogs, but now I have three, <laughs> but I just got two poodles when I was out there. And then I was still really into fitness and that's when the weight loss resistance started happening. And I was like, everyone kept being like, well, you moved international and you're married now. So like your body might change. And I was like, not okay with that. I was wanting to stay. I was actually thinking about competing in Japan. There was, I thought that'd be really fun to do a show out there. And so that's when I started shifting gears and trying to compete and get ready for a show. And that's when I hit a lot of weight loss resistance. I didn't know that there was all these other symptoms because they're like in the fitness it's expanding now. It's grown so much. Like the common fitness coach might be more aware of thyroid and adrenal health, but they weren't three or four years ago. That's not, it wasn't a very big topic and it was very easy to trash both your thyroid and adrenals in the diet culture fitness world. And that's where I was. Cause I was really just working out six days a week lifting and then cardio six days a week, at least 30 to 45 minutes a day. And I was eating 1500, 1600 calories. So like I was doing what had won me trophies and swords and stuff before, and it wasn't working. And so that's when I started getting some blood work done and realizing that there was some stuff going off under the hood. And I got off hormonal birth control because I knew that was contributing to it. And that was summer of 2020. And then we moved back from Japan to New York. And then I got sick with the vid. And that was a really harsh because it was the original like bioweapon status. It really rocked my husband and I. And I think that's because we were low thyroid. Our adrenals were taxed. We were not very resilient because of all that chronic dieting we had done. And so I got chronic fatigue and exercise intolerance and I couldn't really do anything for like, I had really bad. I could cry. It's been like the hardest year of my life. 
the long haulers, the fatigue, the, I, I had like autonomic nervous system dysfunction, like elevated heart rate all of a sudden. My um, gut health would like, have like all of a sudden really nauseous in the middle of the store, in the middle of a, it was, I didn't, I didn't, I was, I thought I was like dying or broken. It was so whacked out. And then we developed parosmia, which is distorted smell and taste. And like nothing tasted or smelled normal from like shampoos to fresh cut grass, to the rain, to poop, to coffee, to all food. It was all distorted. And it was, my husband got it too, thank goodness, because I've met so many people on the internet that didn't have anyone in their life who could understand it. Because if you don't experience it, you don't understand how rough it is. Because when you smell it, it's like, it gives you a headache. It gives you a stomach ache. Like it's really visceral the bad smell it's not just like oh that's stinky <laughs> like it's like oh like it's a wave of torture yeah. and so we so just like there was 2021 I, there's no way I could work out I was having a hard time eating so I had found the pro-metabolic community they were educating me but all of a sudden I couldn't eat as much food like it was like so then I had to really understand like it wasn't easy now in retrospect I can see because things are so much better now but I had insomnia as well so I wasn't able to, you know, get all the steps in. And there was just so many things I wasn't able to do to check off on that, like pro metabolic checklist that I was like, Oh no, I'm failing. So it was really hard. So I had to take a big step back from, cause I think there was a lot of pressure in the pro metabolic community, like get outside first thing in the morning, bare feet on the ground, make sure you eat something before you drink coffee. Very picturesque, sure isn't it? Got to get your steps in. Oh, yeah. make sure you get the red light therapy in. Oh, don't forget to wash your face and do your lymph. And I'm just like, oh gosh, like I need a serious two hour morning routine. <sighs> so that's where I had to really just make sure I was mastering the basics and not overstressing. Cause I think it's really easy to do that. If you're coming from diet culture background and you want to do it all perfect to then try to just keep that mindset in pro metabolic world. I think, I mean, my take and on the pro metabolic world is just, you are trying to be in our body. And so we're not mm-hmm. in our body if we're trying to, like you said, get out and make, like tick the boxes. We've got a million other things to do now, another two hour routine. Like that's not being in your body. And right. especially when you're first starting, all of that stuff is super overwhelming. Cause again, you've probably done all these perfectionist things before. And if you're not going to yep. get it right, holy shit, it's too much. Oh yeah. I mean, so like, it's, it's that all or nothing mindset. So, I mean, it's just, I've grown, I've changed so much through that, but it was really because I got sick and because I had my health, like I had thyroid and adrenal issues, but whatever happened with the long hauler stuff was like the most sick I've ever been. Cause that's unpredictable. And I couldn't expect what I, like my standards of expectations of myself had to go way lower. Like, did you shower? Did you make your bed? I was super depressed. Like there was like a lot going on. So I gained about 25 pounds. And I definitely wasn't overeating because I had parosmia and food tasted disgusting. So I was like not overeating, but the stress, I had insulin resistance. I think there's like a lot going on metabolically. And so that's where I had to just like, uh, just everything I knew, nothing was making sense on how my body was responding. And I just had to be okay with it all because remind myself in the beginning, like, and now my husband and I like are thinking about having a baby. And that was something we never wanted. And so now it's like, wow, I really beat up my fertility because I never thought I wanted a kid for most of my life. And I really wish, you know, I might, you know what I mean? Like, it's just really funny thinking about I all my, yeah, I just really wrecked my fertility trying to chase being really lean. And 
now that I'm married and like have a totally different life, I want to live a different life. And I just never thought this possible for myself. So it's kind of cool to be where I'm at and forgive myself. Like you said, you, you said someone else told you recently, it's like, you can't hate your past selves. So that's been a really important part too, is being like, wow, I should have known better. No shoulda, woulda, coulda. That doesn't help you. No, no, absolutely not. I mean, saying that then, if you had met, you know, 20 year old Megan, or how old were you when you first, you did your first, did your first show? Well, you know, I had an eating disorder when I was 20. And so I kind of got out of it. And so honestly, I should not ever have competed in the first place. Like I did, I was a high risk category, but I competed in 20, 2017. So I was 29, 28, somewhere in there. Yeah. So you're about to step on stage. What would Megan today tell Megan 2017? Well, it depends on which show, but I would have stopped <laughs> myself at show like one or two. Um, and I was coming, I had a big hole in my heart and I was trying to fill it with approval from everyone, (laughs) not like every community I was in, whether it was an isogenics, my MLM company, I wanted to be a top leader. I wanted to impact people. Like it wasn't all selfish. I wanted to be a leader because I help people, if that makes sense. And when I shifted to the bodybuilding community, I'm just really competitive. And, you know, I've played the piano, played the violin. I like to practice and get better. So bodybuilding, there's like, I had a lot of discipline. And so I I kind of gravitated to it easily. But I would have just told myself, sometimes I regret doing it all. But if I'm already there, I'm just going to tell myself, you got, I would, I don't, I don't know how I would, I don't think I would have listened. It doesn't matter what I would <laughs> Yeah, said. I know, right? I don't, I, I wouldn't have listened because nothing mattered more to me than getting the placement and then getting that acknowledgement from other athletes that I was good enough. I just wanted to be told I was good enough and I would have done whatever it took to get that from the outside world instead of generating it from within. It's really heartbreaking. That's not probably everybody's experience in bodybuilding. I can only speak to my own. But, you know, for some reason, bodybuilders get this, you know, stamp of they're the healthiest, they're the ideal look, this is what we're all going for. And it's such a false representation of what's actually sustainable or healthy. And it's just really sad. The fitness industry, you know, is definitely changing with body neutral fitness, body positivity. And that's really a good thing. But now with the hair, when she's circling back around as cycles do, you know, we're always going to have that pressure to be really lean. And so I think, um, you know, as long as we can just keep talking about health first and teaching people what that actually looks like to them, then they can make uh, more responsible decisions, no matter what's being thrown at them. Like the more education you have, then diet culture has less of ability to pull one over on you, but mental health and how you feel about yourself is another really big part of that armor. Absolutely. Um, it's quite interesting. A lot of the wins that my clients have are often centered around that. Like, you know, they come to me because they have stuff going on with their body. And then, you know, we, the, when we talk about our wins each week, they're like, oh, I set this boundary. Oh, I said no for this. Oh, I, you know, could see that this is how this behavior was, you know, causing me to do X, Y, Z. And just that self-realization, it's just the most beautiful thing. Can't see when you see come to light in another human being. Absolutely. So when you then, you know, we're going to go back to this question of, you know, something that you would say to your 
2017 self. What if 2017 Megan came to you and said, hey, I want you to help prep me for a bodybuilding competition? What are some of the questions you might ask her? Yeah, this version of myself, I would have had her get labs done. And that I, I didn't really have a good coach then at all. So I didn't have any guidance at all. So it would be pretty self through the bodybuilding on 2017. I did not. Well, I just didn't really seek out a coach. I guess I thought I could. And that was really foolish of me. I, I hired um, someone who was younger than me and less experienced than me because we were just friends and she had competed. But just because someone has competed doesn't mean that they can coach you. So um, let's just pause really quick. I got a, my dog. It's driving me crazy. Okay. We have a friend joining us. Hi, darling. I'm filming still. They're just whining. Uh, yeah, my, my, our guest, our guest appearance is here. So I, for, for that coaching show, I, for that 2017 competition, I had hired somebody that was, uh, I'd let go of that younger coach that I'd mentioned. We, I could tell that it wasn't going to work. And I just thought, Hey, she's bodybuilded before she can coach me. And then I don't remember exactly what happened, but I ended up just working with my posing coach and he didn't really care about me at all. And that was a really awful experience. I felt like I was going to do really well on my first show, which was in May of 2017. And then I didn't place well. So I prepared to do one in the fall. So I like from May, I was going to do another show in October. And that's when I hired somebody through Isogenic. She's like a really big name in the ISO world. And it was like a group program. Uh, and it was really like not terrible, but not enough education. And they didn't reverse diet me out of the show. So they didn't walk me out of it. I was only eating 20 grams of fat per day. Mm. And um, I was one tablespoon of oil and maybe, so maybe more but just from the spray that I was spraying the pan, you know, they only tracked serving. It was one serving a day, not for long, but probably the last two weeks or so. So, you know, when you reverse, you like do your peak week. So you do your special protocol for the show. And then you really need someone to take you out of that. And this program didn't do that. So if I was, you know, meeting that girl, I would have definitely have helped her so much, but I would have seen your calories are really low what like I was eating like probably I mean not as bad as it gets some girls only eat 900 calories but I was eating probably like 13 1400 calories at that point and so I would have just seen what how dangerous of low that is and wanted for how often I was working out six days a week and you know it wasn't matching my activity and so I would have just helped myself properly reverse I did get up to 2000 calories maybe 2100 uh through the summer I was eating 20, over 200 grams of carbs. And I hired a coach for that third show. And I, I still remember this conversation. I was like, do I have to eat this many carbs? I was like over it. And she was like, you're going to thank me, you know, cause the higher you start, you know, pre-diet, yeah. then the higher you end. And so that's why reverse diet secret sauce and worth the patience. So, you know, that, that competition was better my third one, but I just didn't place or do as well as I wanted to. And 
So then I did another show one year later. So at least I waited a whole year, but I never reversed or tracked my biofeedback and I lost a lot of muscle. So when I look over the four years, I mean, no, it, that would have been better to spacing them out more, but I did four competitions in a two year span, one year, one and a half year span. So it was, I just lost all my muscles. So I was really skinny on stage, my fourth show, but I had no shoulders, no back. And that's really important part of bodybuilding in general. And I think what most people, when they say they want that lean and toned look that they they're, they're under muscled. And so you kind of have to like reverse diet and build muscle first before, you know, really thinking you're going to build that body of your dreams. It's like a lot more of like a, you know, construction zone for a really long time. And then eventually you're going to get a nice, healthy, lean, sustainable approach. Yeah. And I think this is the thing, like, I mean, we could talk about that a little bit, but, you know, women don't want to, I think dieting is easy, to be honest. I think I'm going to yeah. say that as a global general generalization, I think dieting is easy, but the other stuff that comes with it, like, for example, having a good exercise routine, whether it's lifting weights or even just moving your body regularly, and then also pairing the two. Yeah. So the diet with the, and I say diet in terms of nutrition, not just restriction, um, pairing the two with an, uh, uh, yeah, with a good exercise plan. It's, it's very something. like a lot of people don't follow a plan in the first place. They just do random YouTube workouts or Instagram workouts. And that's, you know, we want to celebrate movement, woohoo! <laughs> but you're leaving a lot like on the table. There's a lot of potential that is not met when you're not doing a well-designed program. Oh, my God. oh darling. <laughs> it's so needy. I'm on the cats there too. No, this is, this is yeah, I mean, my cat did just come, but this is Cashew. The cat's behind you. Oh, yeah, there's Silver. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see him. Oh, hi. Oh. <clears throat> so, yeah, don't let her be too distracting. I will try. But, yeah. So yeah, if I, if I could go back in time, you know, I, I, I don't think I could have convinced that self to not do it, but I think I would have been able to help her really find a better support. Cause I, I, I did care about my health. I just don't think I understood what I was doing to it. So I just, I've always said, I wish I had a better uh, mentor to guide me through that. And I think what's important to understand is that also means cost. And so I wanted to pay very little for my coaching. And so I got poor coaching, especially if you want to do bodybuilding. Like if you want someone who can run your labs, understand what that means and help you with a good protocol to not destroy your thyroid and to like get the look you want, you're going to have to probably drop a thousand eight hundred dollars a month. Minimum. Yeah. And you know, I so think yeah, it's expensive. Yeah. This is actually something else I'm like wrapping my head around at the moment is the idea and learning how to communicate this rather is the idea of spending money on yourself versus investing in yourself. Like we spend money on ourselves. We as women, you know, like whatever it is that we like. And it's quite easy to maybe, and it might not even be easy, but it's easier to spend, you know, a hundred dollars on some clothing or a hundred dollars on buying an ebook or, you know, the small, Oh, hi darling. <laughs> um, I'm a little bit pet. Uh, deprived at the moment so this is good oh my gosh I could come over because I have three dogs and a cat and they're all really affectionate <laughs> um 
versus investing. So that idea of, yeah, cool. You know what? This is what I want. So I'm going to drop a thousand dollars to get what I want. And also showing up for the fact that you have to do the work in that. It's not, I'm not paying a thousand dollars to get instant gratification. I'm paying a thousand dollars to learn from someone, to understand from someone and go from there. What's your take on that? Yeah. So spending versus investing. I think it's a really wise uh, mindset flip. And, you know, as an entrepreneur, that's not a foreign concept to me. You know, I knew I'd have to, you know, hire a business coach to help me figure it out. Or in MLM world, they like tell you, you have to go to the events, these big, you know, corporate things. So I knew I'd had to spend money. And even in just personal training, you have to pay to get your certification to be able to go do what you want. So there's always this investment. It takes money to make money type of thing. Uh, So I had to spend it and understand that it was an investment in myself, but because I've done that, I really haven't done the spoil myself route, if that makes sense. I just spent all my money on the things that I saw important. And I just, back then I was a self-employed, I didn't have a lot of money. So I think I wish I would have had the mentor tell me like, can you really afford to do a bodybuilding competition? This is going to run you. $1,100, $1,200 when it's all said and done, like, is that, you know, an important enough investment? Like, do you have the funds for that? Or is this going to be something that's really stretching you thin, you know? And so that was something that I wasn't really prepared for either. But once you commit to it, I'm a woman of my word. I don't quit, you know? So I just would follow through. And I think there's a lot of, you know, there's possible external validation at the other end. Of course, it's going to be worth it. Correct. And that's like, it's just always multifaceted. um, But when it comes to, I do see that a lot as people don't want to spend money on coaching and they try to do it on their own. And it's not that you can't do that, but, and it's not like the learning doesn't stop when you hire a coach, you know, you can, so it's, you still will always be on that journey, but it's so much nicer to have somebody, I always say it feels like a machete and kind of just cutting through the BS yeah. we cut through the bullshit for you. So you don't stumble as much as I did. You know, I've looked, you know, I stumbled a lot. Let me help you stumble a little less and educate, educate, empower. And then eventually they don't even need you because you've taught them so much that they, they really, that's ideally with coaching is that you set them up down the road to where they don't need you forever. Yes. Or progress to another, like another coach as in not, you know, they go and explore a different area of their life that they know that they've, they can improve on or build on or whatever that is. Exactly. Yeah. Like, you know, go into a different modality perhaps, but really have masked what they came to you for. Yeah. Um, all right. We're going to wrap this up because I am hungry. (laughs) Is there anything else you would like to add? I think we really touched on a lot of really good stuff. Some good questions here. Uh, I think all in all, the real takeaway is just like, always remember your why and always remember that life comes in cycles. So it may be a dark and hard time, but having faith in that, and that's the biggest gift we can give to ourselves is just know that things are going to come back around, even if things don't feel like that at the current time. Absolutely. And that's why having helpful because they can really have you to, to talk you off the cliff or, you know, yeah, just like dig you out of the ditch or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Just hold space for you and hear you. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a coach, it's probably also one of the hardest things to do. You and I touched on this a little bit before we hit record. Um, when I actually stepped away. I, yeah. it, it's too much for, you gotta have enough, fill your own cup 
before you can do that for others. And so for me, I just realized this is too much and I'm going to take a step back. And it's been a really big gift. It wasn't easy. It took me a year and a half to come to terms with that. I also spent five grand on my business a year ago to then quit. It's like blowing my mind. But sometimes my husband's just like, it's a, it's not like I didn't learn from the certifications. I became who I am today because of that investment. But it's just funny to me that I just like walked away from the business that I just poured so much time into because that was what was best for me. And it's wild. You talk to, to anyone who, like you talk to anyone who has a big business that, you know, has a huge legacy and they will tell you that they have burnt, like they started again, they built things up, burnt it to the ground and started again. So this is just one of your things. That's an important reminder. Yeah. It's so true. And because we're such, you know, emotional human beings, like when we put our time and energy, we're like, this is our baby. This is amazing. And so that we have to grieve and mourn when we burn it to the ground. That's Um, a good, yeah. And that's uncomfortable permission to, to be like, Hey, you know, that's something my therapist was really big on reminding me. She's like, it sounds like you're grieving. I'm like, Oh, like just kind of acknowledging that that's the process you're in and that that's part of the phase, the cycle. And it's just like, really, I think we always just want to feel the positive spectrum of emotions. And so just knowing and not judging those lower, not like less desirable ones are like that contrast is so important. If you didn't experience the low, you wouldn't know the difference of a high. Oh, which is so hard to remind yourself when you're in it. I mean, this morning I didn't do my morning routine and (gasps) I felt grumpy and I was like oh this is why I have a routine and so I told myself like this is the contrast when you feel yucky to leverage and learn and implement different intentions but like so contrast is a powerful teacher and that's the mindset of like not only how you it's not just like feeling a negative thought like stressful experience but how you think about the stressful experience is a gift to yourself and that only takes time to catch yourself in those stinking thinking loops and catch them enough and enough to kind of break the uh, cycle. And I, I feel like I take a different cognitive highway. And I'm like, oh, that's a really common road. We're going to go this new way. And it just takes a while to get there. And eventually you can. And then you're like going that way now. Yeah. I think you should coin that stinking thinking. I really like that. <laughs> I feel like my mom came up with it. She's from the dirty South, like Alabama, like as South yeah. as you can get. So she's got really funny Southern phrases. Yeah, Stinking right. thinking is from her. I love that. I absolutely love that. Well, it's not trademarked, so run with it. (laughs) All right. Where can people find you if they do want to reach out and chat? I still am semi-active on my Megan Me Fit account. So it's Megan, M-E-G-A-N underscore Me Fit. Uh, I'm not putting out content, which has been a big relief of like stepping out of that rap race wheel. Um, But I'm definitely still posting on my stories and always in my DMs. So I'm not building my coaching business, but I still want to like be there. And can I have so many friends on that page like you? So I'm still <laughs> on there. You can send me a DM. And then if you are interested and I've recently uh, fallen in love with Jesus and I'm a Christian, which is a place I never thought my place like for be, I've never thought I would be here. And I'm really into researching French topics uh, that kind of fall into the biblical lens. And so if that is something that the listeners be interested in, which is probably not a lot of people, but there are some. There are and then I have another page that I'm building through there and um, it's called Taste of Truth and it's taste and then a zero instead of an O for of and then truth, taste, 
of truth with a zero mm -hmm. and um, talk about faith, medical freedom, environmental toxins, like all the things that would get me canceled on my Megan Me Fit page mm -hmm. has now gone to taste of truth where I can be open about my, I'm like, I share me and my husband and my dogs and just a lot more on that page. So if people are interested in getting to know me there, but won't be offended by the stuff that I share over there, join me. But if not, it's probably not your cup of tea, then don't. And you can hang out with me on Making Me Fit, where I stick to topics like fitness and nutrition. Perfect. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining me. Thank you so much. I think you're wonderful and you're doing really great work in the world. And I'm really honored that you wanted to have this conversation with me. So thanks for bringing me on your podcast. It's, I really appreciate it. Thank you.